You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. We've got three more weeks in the series of 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. A series talking about we have ever, that God has given us everything that we need. Everything has been provided, and yet we have a part to play in seeing it working out in our lives. And each week we've been going through different parts of this passage of Scripture, really digging into it to hopefully understand all the areas that God is challenging us to grow in, to keep moving, to keep going forward in. And so we're going to read it one more time, and uh, and then we're going to start getting into it today. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, or a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he's given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into eternal, into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. God has given us all that we need through faith. When we give our lives to Jesus, we tap into this incredible source of life and vitality, of hope, of, of strength. His Spirit comes and dwells in our hearts and empowers us to do everything that we need to do to live up this Christian walk. But interestingly enough, it doesn't just happen. Right? When we give our lives to Jesus on that day, some point in your history, hopefully you said, God, I give my life to you. And at that point, we say, God, I give my life to you. His spirit comes and moves in our lives and comes and takes his place in us. But it's the starting point of a journey that we need to continue to grow in. We need to continue to grow up in. We need to continue to, uh, to mature in. And so it, for this reason, Peter was uh, writing to the church and encouraging them that actually to add to your faith, which all this has given to you, we need to make an effort to grow in these other aspects. Otherwise, we become nearsighted. We become ineffective in our walk with Him. God doesn't want us just to have a belief in Him. He wants us to grow up in Him. He wants us to live out our Christian faith, to, to be a people that are set apart for Him and, and doing all that He's called us to do. Hearing the story of Emily, even today, it is someone, and you can be that someone, of, of God doing something powerfully through as you say yes to His Spirit and grow in these other things, that you would run the race that God has called you to. And so over these past weeks, we've looked at, we've looked at goodness, and we've looked at knowledge, and we've looked at self-control, and last week we looked at perseverance, about being surrounded, not, not journeying alone, but having people around us, keeping our eyes set upon Jesus, having an internal perspective in all that we do. Today we're looking... At the, at the next one is godliness. Godliness is something that is a challenge. What does it really mean? Add, make every effort to add to your faith godliness. 
And yet godliness is really to be the, the heart pursuits of every believer. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, 8. says, have nothing to do with godless, godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. I want you to say all things. Godliness has value for all things. Hold, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. He wrote further on in, in um, Timothy 6, 6, it says, uh, Godliness with contentment is great gain. And then in 6.11, he wrote, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. We're told to pursue it. We're told to add it to our faith. We're told to be trained to it. But what is it? Good question. Godliness is having godly character and actions in our lives. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. It starts with us seeing who God really is. You see, the word godliness comes from the Greek word eusebia. Um, no, eusebia. There we go. You have it behind me? No? Eusebia. Bea. Eusebia. There we go. Eusebia. I've got it written uh, phonetically. Eusebia. Okay, say it with me. You say, Bea. Yeah, you sound just as funny as I did. All right. What does it mean? It means reverence and respect towards God. It actually, it means we, we see God for who He is. And so if we're going to start to look at having godliness, going in godliness, it starts with our perspective. It starts of how we see God. Often, we, we focus, and even this morning, it was great to be reminded of God's love and His grace. And we mustn't, there, there's a depth of that. And yet there's also the reality that God is also a holy and just God. He's also a God that's beyond our imagination, beyond our, our understanding. There's a majesty to God. There's a, a glory of God that's, that's, that's beyond what we can fully understand. And so we see attention in Scripture. The author of Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us... Then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and grace. Sorry, and find grace to help us in our time of need. So that we're called to, to approach him because of what Christ has done. We can approach his throne. And yet the, the same author goes on in Hebrews 12, 28 to 29. Saying, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. And so in one sense, we say, come boldly before my throne. But in another side, we see we need to worship him with reverence and all because our God is a consuming fire. We have this tension. Paul in Romans 8, 15 says, you receive the spirit of sonship and you can call, you can cry to him, Abba, Father, a very intimate, personal experience. You can call him daddy. And yet he also writes, um, Paul writes to Timothy, in uh, 1 Timothy 6, 15 to 16, it says, God, the blessed one, the blessed and only ruler, King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is immortal and who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever and ever. Amen. And so we hear on one side, we've got, we, we, we can come to, to God and know him as our Abba Father. And yet we also see him in this perspective where he is in this, uh, who lives in this unapproachable light that no one can see because he, he, um, because of who he is. He's beyond everything. 
And sometimes I think when we look at God, we, we see him with a small g. We bring God to our level. When God is above our level, he is greater than everything that we could possibly understand. When John, the closest disciple of Jesus, saw Jesus in his glory. Okay, this is this is someone who who walked with Jesus, someone who fellowshiped with Jesus for three years. And yet has this encounter where he sees Jesus in all his glory. We see this revelation in Revelation, in fact, chapter one, verses 12 to 18. John writes this, he says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and it was Jesus. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were, were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell down at my feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and says, Do not be afraid, for I am the first and the last. I'm the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the kings, I hold the keys of death and Hades. You see, John saw Jesus in his glory. You see, when Jesus came to the earth, he came in as God amongst us. He was, uh, he was Emmanuel. He was emptied of his glory. But right now, when Jesus is on the throne, he's not emptied of his glory. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is coming in power in that time. But he is sitting in this position now. When John saw him, he fell to the ground in awesome sight. He didn't say, oh, Jesus, it's you. I, I've missed you. It's good to see you again. No, he was overwhelmed by this, the glory that was with him. God's holiness is beyond our comprehension. In fact, each description we see of someone who who is um, experiences God's glory is actually not overwhelmed by His love, but is overwhelmed by His holiness. You see, even in Revelation, that the, the the elders that come around the throne and they say, "Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty." It's interesting; they're not actually saying, "God, you're so loving." They're saying, "God, you're so holy. You're so awesome." And they prostrate themselves before the Lord because of His holiness. Our God is so holy and pure that it's it's hard for us to comprehend. And so when we look at God in His holiness and when we understand His holiness and the, the revelation of who He is helps us to see to the depth of His love. You see, we can't see the depth of His love until we understand His holiness. You see, here's a God who's just and who's holy and who's righteous and cannot stand sin. He's a holy God. But He made creation. He saw you and me. And He saw that there there was a separation between us and Him. And so because of His great love, He sent His Son to take our sins upon Him on our behalf. Such was his love that he paid the price that stood against us. 
Now he's a holy God, a righteous God that would have every, every, um, would have every right, every right to just stand opposed to us because of our lives, because of the sin in us. But actually, because of his great love, he said, you know what? But I love you. And his love permeated through that. And he paid this price. And so to grow in godliness is to grow in our reverence of the God, isn't it? Understanding to how we see him and the Holy Spirit helps bring this revelation, leads us into truth. But then we can see God and we can understand that he's holy and he's just and we can, we can kind of mentally know that. But then it's the place he takes in our lives in that pro, in, in understanding it. Reverence and honor requires that he be placed in the preeminent place of our hearts. It's interesting when the queen, queen of England, goes into a situation, you know, she's always the center of attention. She's, she's always the center of attention. When she walks into a room, when the queen arrives, everyone knows the queen is there. She's always in the center. See, God isn't just along for the ride in our lives. And when we're talking about giving God reverence, giving God honor, it's not saying, I acknowledge you, but it's inviting God to be in the preeminent place of our lives, to say, take center stage in us. You see, it isn't just honoring God with our voice and our lips, praising Him on a Sunday, but actually honoring Him and saying, God, I want you to be in the center. I want you to be right in the center of the circle of my life, right there. In everything I do, I want you to be the center. We honor him in what we do. We can't compartmentalize. To grow in godliness means bringing God into the center area of every aspect of our lives. And so if I'm going to honor God in my finance, and if I'm going to honor God in my marriage, and if I'm going to honor God in my, my relationship with my children, and if I'm going to honor God with my work, and if I'm going to honor God with my relationships with my neighbors, and if I'm going to bring uh, in everything I do, my private time, in my hobbies, if God is going to be in the center of that, and I'm going to honor Him in that, I will start to live godliness. Because I'm, I'm bringing reverence to Him in how I live, in how I act, in how I, how I conduct myself. Because in everything, I think, okay, the King of Kings is in me. He's there. He's in this situation. I want to honor him as, as, as the king in this, in my finance. You're king and, and you're here. You're with me. I want my finance to glorify you because you're God. I want my marriage to honor you because you're God. I want my kids to, to know who you are through my life because you're God. And I'm going to bring you into that center place. You see, the Holy Spirit helps us. He lives in us and he points out these areas in our lives where right now God is not sitting in the center place. But he's actually, he's along, he's our passenger in the car. You know, God is never to be your passenger in the car. He's never sitting pylon on your, your motorbike of life. For all you bikers out there, I know I'm the only one, but it's okay. He's not just along for the journey. He needs to be the centerpiece of your life. He needs to be king of your heart. And growing in godliness is growing in the place where I keep bringing him to the center. I keep pulling him to the center. God, you you're need to be in the center of my life. 
You're a holy God. And, and sometimes, again, we can get caught up in the trap of, but we live in grace. We live in, in his love. And yes, that's all true. But Paul says, just because of grace, do we keep on sinning? By no means. We've misunderstood the plot. You see, God is still righteous. He's still holy. He still expects us to be holy as he's holy. Now, he, he gives us holiness through the Jesus Christ. But in Jesus Christ, we then need to live it out. Right. We need to put it into action. We need to to live in the way he calls us to live and and not just depend upon his grace in the sense of it's okay. No, we bring it into the center. We bring Jesus into the center of how we conduct ourselves in every aspect of our lives. You see, Jesus has given us everything we need through the work of the Holy Spirit to live in godliness. You see, his spirit is in you. We don't have to think about God being somewhere out there, but God is in you. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. His presence dwells in you. And so whether you like it or not, God is there. But it's the place that we put in our hearts for him. Well, he's there saying, God, this area of my life I know is not honoring you, but I want to make it honor you. I want to make the changes. I'm going to make decisions. I'm going to make choices that these parts of my life honor you. Because you're king. I want you to be king of my life. And the Holy Spirit has an amazing ability to point these things out in us, deep in our hearts. You know what? You don't need, surprisingly enough, most people do not need to tell when they're sinning. You, someone doesn't need to tell them. When we give our lives to Jesus, the Holy Spirit has this ability to tell us what's right or what's wrong. We have a new conscience. I think we talked about this in IBTI in our class this last week. There's an amazing ability. Something could have been okay one day, you give your life to Jesus and suddenly it's not okay anymore. How many had that moment in their lives? Something suddenly shifted. All of a sudden, I was okay. With, I was doing this and it was okay. And I could go out party with my friends and I could swear and I could live however I wanted. And then I gave my life to Jesus. And suddenly, I had a conscience. Suddenly, I felt this isn't right anymore. I got to stop. And who told you to stop? It's the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit says... You need to honor God in this part of your life. And to do that isn't honoring me. Bring me to the center. Let me be the showpiece of your life. But then it leads us to the third part. Godliness is our, the response we then give to God. The heart motive in all of us is, is to please the king. Is to obey him. Out of love and respect. Do you know, um, I, when I was preparing this, I was just thinking about my relationship with my dad. And uh, I know some of you might not have great relationships with your dad. I have a great relationship with my dad. And I grew up in a home where my mom and dad loved the Lord. And my dad, you know, loved me. I know he loved me. But there was a respect I had for him of not crossing certain lines. How many of you know what I'm talking about? My mom, okay, I could... You know, mom, you know, she disciplined us, but dad, you just, you just, there was a line in authority that see my dad had that, you know, if mom says you wait till dad comes home, <laughs> you just knew that was not going to be a good thing if dad was going to be part of this conversation, <laughs> right? And I just remember many moments sitting with my dad or having various experiences with my dad Especially when it came for me not doing the right things I should have been doing. And uh, I had a deep respect for him though. And so although I knew he loved me and I knew his love for me was, 
you know, it was unconditional in the sense of human love. He loved me. I also knew he had a plan and he, he wanted me to reflect his values and what was right and wrong. And so there was discipline. There was, there was changes I had to make in my life to conform to his will for my life as a child. I couldn't just do whatever I wanted and know he loves me and it's all, dad just gives me grace. No, I got disciplined to help me learn that actually his, he loves me. And so because he loves me, he's going to discipline me because he has a better way. And how I respond to the discipline demonstrates whether I respect him or not. You see, you know, in schools or working with young people, it's amazing when someone is disrespectful. Why, what, what do we mean by that? It means they won't listen to authority, right? It means that whatever someone is saying, they're like, well, you can't tell me to do that. Who are you to, I, I won't listen to you. They're disrespecting. So when God says, I want you to grow in holiness, or sorry, I want you to grow in godliness, which is a respect for Him, He's saying, actually, I will listen to you. When you're saying, don't do that, or I'm going to discipline you because I love you, I'm going to need to bring change in your life, we say yes. We respond to it. We, we say, yes, Lord, I, I'm yours. That's part of me, and I, I'm going to obey you, even though inside of me, my flesh is wanting something different. I'm going to say yes to you because you're God. You see, that's part of, 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 of growing in godliness is saying yes to His Spirit and obeying Him. For me to honor my father, my, my earthly father, to honor Him is to obey Him. I dishonored my father every time I disobeyed Him. He said, don't do that. And I did it anyways. I dishonored Him. And I know in certain cultures in the world, that's a, world, that's a big thing. You just do not dishonor certain people in your, in your family. I think in the West, we kind of have lost that a little bit. You know, young people grow up and they can do whatever they like. And actually, that's not okay. Because we see in, in Scripture, actually, we need to honor. We need to, we need to put people in certain places, even in, our, in the earthly realm. But most importantly, as our Heavenly Father, we need to put Him in a place of honor. Where when He says, don't do that, we don't do that. You see, when we do it, when he says, don't do it. And then we say, God, we just so love you. We just so thank you for your love and for your mercy. We say, well, but you're not listening to me. And so in one sense, you're, you're saying, I love you. But in another part, you're disrespecting me by not actually doing what I've asked you to do. And his spirit helps us to conquer sin and death. Right? His power in us helps us to move away from those things. And as we've looked at in the past, if I want to grow in, in the things that he has for me, actually, I just it's not about stopping sin, but it's about pursuing his spirit. Right? That's where self-control comes in. He's pursuing more of His Spirit. But in that, as we say yes to Him, godliness is the, the product that comes as a result. Philippians 2, 12-13, it says, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. His good purpose. You know, we don't often look at these passages of Scripture because, you know, we feel challenged. And again, I don't want us to walk away from this feeling. It's about our good works. It's not about our good works, but it's about us reflecting God in our lives. Us giving Him that place of honor. God is holy and He calls us to be holy like He is. And He makes a way through Jesus Christ. And through the death and resurrection of Jesus, He's conquered everything for us. So as we come to a close, I just want to re-look at it 
one more time. These three areas. As we come to a greater revelation of who God is. Through the revealing work of His Spirit. His holiness. His righteousness. His justice. His love. His mercy. When we see God as who He really is. And as we put God in the center place of our lives. Choosing to honor Him with all that we say and do. And as we choose to obey His will for our lives. As revealed in His Word. And by the Spirit in us. Godliness grows in us. We need to make every effort to grow in godliness. We need to make every effort to pursue it. To grow in it. To be trained by it. It will keep us from being unproductive in our walk with Him. To be ineffective. To be nearsighted. It will keep us from being all these things. God calls us and wants to have a healthy relationship with our Heavenly Father. But a healthy relationship is understanding His love, but also understanding His holiness. It's a balance between the two. They're not competing against one another. His love demonstrates really His holiness and that He pays this price for us. We become like Him in our attitudes and actions when we allow Him to be honored in all aspects of our lives. So when we look at godliness as God-likeness, we become like Him when we honor Him. Isn't that interesting? We become like Him when we honor Him in every aspect of our lives. We start to look like His character. Again, I, children will, will, will take on the values of their parents when there's a respect for their parents. They'll live out those values. They'll live out those beliefs because they, they are disciplined by them and they, they, they adhere to them. Our calling is to pursue it and is to add it and to be trained by it. God has a plan for your life. And you know, this is a, this is a redemptive plan. It's a plan to see you walk into all your fullness. But you know, you can't walk into the fullness with all your rubbish. Right? You can't walk into your destiny when you're carrying a load of stuff with you. He wants to cleanse you and, and wants to bring wholeness in every aspect of our lives. Because He's a holy God. And He wants us to be holy as He's holy. And holy, actually the root word of holy is actually wholeness. He wants to come to a place of whole where He's complete, where we're complete. And so long as God is sitting outside the center of every aspect of our lives, we will not be complete until He is in the center. And He is the focal point of those aspects of our lives. And so I just, in, in closing, just want us to evaluate, I want us to look at our own lives and, and just think through every aspect. Is God honored and glorified in each aspect of my life right now? And if there's an area that isn't, and if you, you're to be honest, and if the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, the best thing we can do, God calls us to repent, right? Which is, it's not just saying sorry, but it's actually saying, God, I'm going to choose to listen to your spirit. I'm going to turn from that. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you into the center. I'm going to make the changes that need to be made to follow you and to honor you with this. I guarantee you, when God is in the center, good things are ahead. Good things are ahead for you. We're on the right path. Jesus, you know, God said to, to the Israelites, I've got plans for you. Good plans to prosper, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. You know, those are the plans we, we walk into in Jesus. You and I can sit in that, that place of fulfillment, but it only comes at a price of, of us growing in godliness. 
where we give way to the Spirit in us. We listen to His voice in our lives. Does this make sense? Why don't we stand together as we, we close? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.